Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm pleased to be joined here today, again, with Nick DeVito, who is a power planner, also an advisor, and one of the uh, advisors on my staff. Nick, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up, this is the second episode of our tax planning. And you know, as we always talk about, uh, the purpose of the show is to provide an educational experience. Uh, typically centered around the six areas of financial planning. Uh, as a refresher, the six areas of financial planning are cash management, tax planning, risk management, which is insurance planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. The interesting part, they're all, they're all integrated with each other, but if there's any one that, is, um, that really is impacting all of them, is tax planning because it seems you know no matter what you do in each of the other areas whether it's investment planning retirement planning estate planning cash management or insurance planning it has a tax component so this takes on now we're talking about doing year-end tax planning okay and that's the the crux of the episode i mean we're on episode two of the year-end tax planning and you know in the first episode what we talked about we're really talking about 401ks, and we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent <laughs> as far as maximizing contributions, no. but hey, that's important. Oh, absolutely, okay. you don't wanna miss out. Absolutely. Um, and then we got into um, tax withholding, mm -hmm. okay, which is important because, you know, you don't wanna pay, the, I mean, it's one thing to pay taxes, but to pay a penalty is stupid money, yep. all right? What we're gonna talk about in today's episode is tax loss harvesting, which is associated with investments. We're gonna be talking about Roth IRA conversions and then for business owners being able to tax, uh, take tax deductions. So tax loss harvesting really is talking about your investments. Yeah. And so talk about it. So with tax loss harvesting, that's when you're gonna use some of your capital losses to offset some of your capital gains. So your capital gains, usually your stocks, your qualified dividends, stuff of that nature. It's taxed a little different than your ordinary income, but you can use some of those losses you incur to offset those gains. Well, the beauty of it is that um, if it's a long-term capital gain, it gets tax preferential treatment. Mm -hmm. And that tax preferential treatment, no matter what tax bracket you're in, it is always lower yep. than your ordinary income tax. Mm -hmm. And that actually plays in a lot when it comes to this. Believe it or not, there are times where we intentionally tax gain harvest. Now, you may not have seen that, but I do that. <laughs> okay. it, it's tricky. But so to your point, tax loss harvesting and in, in, in using an example, let's say, for instance, I have $10,000 in capital gains. If I don't want to pay taxes on those capital gains and I have a portfolio that has one or a handful of different investments that are at a loss, I could sell those other investments. And if I happen to have $10,000 of capital losses, I get to write it off against my capital gains. Okay. And where it really comes into play, especially if someone has short-term capital gains. Mm -hmm. Because if you have short-term capital gains and that's a capital gain that is you know, one year or less. It's gonna be taxed at your ordinary income It's levels. gonna get taxed at your ordinary income. And so what happens then is if I have losses, what we do is we actually go through all of their investment accounts, identify, do they have losses? Do they have gains? 
if they have gains, are they short-term gains or long-term gains? And if they have short-term gains and their total gains are greater than their losses, now we start hunting yep. for losses that we can use to offset, mm -hmm. okay? Tax gain harvesting is a weird one, okay? Tax gain harvesting is rare, but I do it. So if an individual or a married couple are in the lower tax brackets being either 10% or 12%, their capital gains are taxed at my favorite rate. 0%. 0%. Right. That sounds like your favorite rate, too. That's absolutely. So take, for instance, the taxable income of a married couple goes from the 12% tax bracket to the 22% tax bracket at 89 and change. Let's call it $90,000. So if their taxable income is 60, then basically they can afford to take $30,000 in long-term capital gains and pay no tax on it. Yeah, be a missed opportunity not to. That's correct. So what I've done before is literally sold an investment, took the gain, and literally bought it back the same day, mm -hmm. okay, which is allowed. Yep. We're gonna talk about wash sale. Yeah. Government doesn't care. Hey, you're getting a gain? Sure, we're happy to tax you on the gain. <laughs> they don't realize in their rules that I'm taking the gain and paying 0%. So if I have an investment that I like the investment, and I'm not condoning any particular investment here, but just for the sake of an example, if I owned Apple stock, and I bought Apple stock for $10,000 and it's now worth 30, I've got a $20,000 gain. Yep. What I've done before, and, and using the example that we just used, that if I have $30,000 worth of gain that I can take and pay no tax on it, mm -hmm. so long as this is a long-term capital gain, what you could do is sell Microsoft stock, post a $20,000 gain, but I love Microsoft. I don't want to sell my stock. Well, you sell it and you rebuy it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I posted a $20,000 capital gain. Now what happens is I just paid $30,000 for my Microsoft stock. So that if for some reason next year it drops to 25,000, now I could take a loss. Yep. But if I didn't take the gain, that Microsoft stock, which went from 10 to 30 back to 25, if I didn't take the gain, I still have $15,000 of capital gain sitting there. Yep. However, if I take that $20,000 worth of gain. You now generate a loss. Now I got a $5,000 <laughs> loss, all right? And that $5,000 loss can be used against other gains next mm -hmm. year, particularly if they're short-term gains. Yep. Okay, so that's playing the game. now. What's really important is that nifty, cool, sneaky, creative, gotta be careful, <laughs> sneaky, okay. It's not sneaky, it's legal, okay? It's totally legal. But you can't do that for a loss. Yeah, you gotta okay. worry about wash sales. It's a wash sale, so talk to us about a wash sale. How yep. does a wash sale work? So a wash sale, so we talked about you know selling, selling something at a loss and that counts as a loss against your gains. But if you sell, say you buy something for $300, you sell it for $200, that would generate a $100 loss for you. 
Now you are not allowed to buy that same stock security mutual fund. You're not allowed to buy that back within 30 days because if you buy it back within 30 days, you're not allowed to claim that gain, That's that correct. loss anymore. It's called a wash sale. Yep. Okay, so what ends up happening is, let's use my example and flip it. So I had $30,000 of, can't use Microsoft, let's pick a different, ABC stock. Stinking ABC company, ABC. I bought it for 30000 and now it's down to ten. Mm -hmm. So, unlike what I could do with Microsoft and sell it again and then rebuy it, you can't do that with a loss. So, if I bought it for 30000 and it's worth ten, I could sell it for ten and have a $20,000 loss, but I can't buy it back within 30 days. Mm -hmm. If I buy it back within 30 days, then what happens is that loss is disallowed. It's not lost, it just gets reapplied As to the new. To your basis. Right, yeah. to the basis of the new one, which means that I kind of defeated the purpose of the loss, mm -hmm. okay? So just know that because it's amazing how many people aren't aware of that and do it. Now, you could buy another investment that is similar but not the same yeah okay so like the microsoft stock or abc company i can't sell abc at a loss and rebuy abc but let's look at mutual fund companies okay or mutual funds if i sold a mutual fund at a loss i can't buy that same mutual fund yeah but i could buy one that is similar not yep. the same but similar mm-hmm that doesn't change the makeup, the overall makeup of my portfolio. It may be an international stock investment or a bond investment. You may buy another international stock investment or a different bond investment. You just can't buy the same one. Yeah. So by doing so, you're keeping your portfolio makeup pretty much the same. Yeah. And capitalizing on a loss. But you're capitalizing on the loss. Yeah, okay. And so, therefore, again, year-end year tax planning as it pertains to this takes into account, it doesn't matter during the course of the year when you take the loss. So it's at the end of the year that you're taking a look at this stuff and figuring out, okay, you know, uh, this is the time that if I want to take a loss, I take it. Now, the thing that messes everything up is, and it's very difficult to project or predict, is mutual fund capital gain distributions. Yep. Okay. Mutual fund capital gain distributions are the one thing about mutual funds that quite frankly, I don't like. All right. The, the concept of mutual funds are great. They're investing in a boatload of different uh, stocks. It gives you the ability to be diversified. However, the problem with a mutual fund is they're required by law that if during the course of the year, they're buying and selling stocks and they have gains, they're required to pass it to the shareholders. Yep. And so they don't usually do that until December. And a lot of times, in fact, most times, you can find through a mutual fund company, I don't care what the company is, and I'm not here to condone or anything, but you know, Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, MFS, Prudential, they all have mutual funds, and what they do is they'll post estimated capital gains. It's usually around mid-November, early December. They produce and say, hey, we're distributing 
roughly this much in capital gains at the end of the year, which you take that into consideration when you're doing your year-end tax planning. Yeah. Now, we had one, this is before your time, it was in 2017. And at the beginning of the year in January, we bought this particular technology fund. Dude, <laughs> it was up 50%. A beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. We had notification in November that that particular fund was distributing a 35% short-term capital gain. Okay, so now I'm like, okay, it's distributing, but I can't sell it. Yeah. Because I'm taking a 50% short-term capital, capital gain because I just bought it in mm -hmm. January. All right. Now what you do, you know, if, if it was a long-term capital gain, I'd be willing to take it. Yeah. Okay, but not a short-term gain. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you look in those situations, you say, ah, okay, I am getting, you know, ABC Mutual Fund is going to be distributing, you know, a 50% or sorry, 35% capital gain. I own $10,000 of that particular mutual fund. Now I factor this in to my year-end tax planning for, for cap capturing losses. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm going to want to take that $3,500 projected short-term loss. Oh, boy, do I Try want to, to get rid of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? However, unfortunately, what we ran into that year was in 2017, there were no losses <laughs> And, you know, nobody likes to pay taxes. But, you know, and you hear, well, you know, I have to pay taxes on it. All right, this is something that my father once told me. Quit your complaining. Paying taxes on a gain means right. yeah, you made a gain. You made money. You made 50% <laughs> yeah. on your investment, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're going to pay taxes on your investment. Hey, consider the alternative. Yeah. I could have lost money. Yeah, you try to mitigate it the best way you can, but it, if, you're, if you're getting a gain at the end of the day, it's not the worst thing. Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, you just, nobody likes to pay yeah. taxes. All right, so we're going to pick up. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about Roth IRA conversions. Um, and then we're also going to talk about business deductions. So stay tuned. We'll be back with you in just a few moments. Do you keep up regularly with your investments? Where exactly are your hard-earned dollars going? Are you financially prepared for an emergency? I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. We believe that education and knowledge are powerful, and we want our clients to understand why we are making the recommendations that we make. It's your money, and you deserve to know where it's going, because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So call us today to discuss your financial concerns. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Manager, with my associate, Nick DeVito. Uh, during break, Nick brought up something that we inadvertently left out during the, um, during the first segment, and that's the, the loss carryover. Yeah, we just want to talk about the ability to take a capital loss uh, against your ordinary income. Right. So I'll just give you an example to make it simple. So say you had $10,000 in losses and $5,000 in gains. As we discussed, you can use those losses to offset those gains. Now, what about that remaining $5,000 in losses you have? So the rule is you can use $3,000 of your losses to offset ordinary income. Right. So you're not allowed to, so even though you had 5,000, you can only take 3,000. Right. Now that remaining 2,000 will be carried forward for the next year so you could theoretically right. so use Right, so now you got a little credit, so yeah. to speak, in the bank. You got you know, $2,000 to work with for losses for next year. Yeah. So another thing that has been huge I actually, you know, I've been teaching taxes since 2003. Um, and I was, you know, saying, hey, you know what? Taxes can only go in one direction, and lo and behold, 
in 2018, President Trump made a liar out of me and actually lowered him. Um, but one of the things that has really come to fruition is the Roth IRA conversions. And so one of the things about Roth IRA conversions, and we have an entire episode on it, is you have the ability, it used to be until 2010, that if your adjusted gross income was over $100,000, you couldn't do a Roth IRA conversion. Someone got smart and said, well, wait a minute, we're missing out on potential revenue, tax revenue to the government, let's lift that $100,000 income limit. So what a Roth IRA conversion basically means is someone can take their IRA, move it to a Roth, and pay taxes in the year that they do it. Okay, now, the Roth IRA conversion's been around for a number of years, okay, at least 15 years, okay? However, um, the one thing to note about the Roth IRA conversion is that it is not considered a distribution as it pertains to the age 59 and a half. Yeah. So if someone wanted to convert $10,000 from their IRA to a Roth, basically what happens is that they have to post $10,000 on their tax return and they're gonna have a, a cost for it. You're adding $10,000 to their ordinary income. If they're in a 22% tax bracket, well guess what? Their tax just went up by $2,200. Now, of course, this falls into the tax planning for withholding and, and we referenced other yeah. you know, business income and other income. Well, hey, this is another example mm -hmm. of other income. And so no, nobody likes to pay the taxes. <laughs> and this is what we struggle with, is even though it makes sense, people forget. And all of a sudden, April 15th, they get mad. It's like, hey, come on, I have all this tax. The Roth IRA conversion makes sense. Now, what we do a lot of times is we'll literally withhold the taxes from the Roth conversion. However, however, the tax withholding is considered a distribution. Therefore, if you are under age 59 and a half, let's say for instance, I did a $10,000 Roth IRA conversion and to mitigate the tax bill because I don't have two grand to pay the taxes, I said, ah, just take the 2,000 out of the 10. The 10,000 that I did the conversion is not subject to a penalty, but if I'm under age 59 and a half, that $2,000 is. And so that's problematic. There are ways around it. So if you're projecting at the beginning of the year that your Roth IRA conversion is a, is a very good idea, mm -hmm. then what you do is you could do it in the beginning of the year. Unfortunately, it's not reversible, which means you better make sure that you calculate yeah. how much you want to do correctly. But if for some reason it's a $2,000 tax hit, well, one of the things you can do instead of coming up with the two grand at the end of the next year, increase your withholdings. Yeah, do it through your paycheck. Yeah, nice 150 easy. bucks a month, 75 bucks a pay. That's not gonna hurt as mm -hmm. bad. Now. Some of the things that, you know, so the issue that you run into is people who want to do the Roth conversions because it makes sense, they do it, and they don't have the money to pay for it, that creates a conundrum. Because we have plenty of clients under age 59 and a half that want to do this, but they don't have the, the assets to pay it. That's a tough call, and we have to try to figure out all kinds of nifty different ways of 
being able to come up with the cash, and if they can't, they can't. However, for those above age 59 and a half, and we've done this before, there's a couple things you could do. I mean, we've done this where we've converted $200,000 in the beginning of the year. Yep. We convert $200,000 in January, and we know that the tax impact is gonna be called $50,000. We'll convert the entire $200,000 to the Roth. And oh, by the way, we'll take a distribution in December and take a $50,000 or whatever the number is, we'll take a distribution and send it to the government then. Yep. In fact, what we do, if you remember from the first episode, we take a look at um, Safe Harbor. Mm -hmm. So in this particular year, their tax bill's 50 grand, oh my goodness. But last year's tax was 10. Mm -hmm. Well, safe harbor means we have to do how much? 11. Yep, 11, 110%. Right, 110% of last year's $10,000 tax. So hey, you know what? Guess what, government? You're getting 11,000 this year. We'll give you the remaining 39 come April. You take it out of the Roth IRA, and basically, it's not a tax distribution. And guess what? They just allowed $39,000 of money to grow tax-free for 15 months. Of course, if it grows. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had it backfire in 2022. Yeah. All right. But, you know, you got to make this up. But, hey, you know what? So what you do from an investment perspective, what you could do, you should say, hey, look, if you think about investing, and we're going off topic here a little bit, but I'm good for that, is you say, all right, if you think the single largest component of risk is time, if you know that you have a $39,000 or a $50,000 tax bill due, well, then guess what? You park $50,000 in a short-term investment, such as money market, yeah. short-term bond, or an investment that has very low volatility, or shall I say, very low probability that you actually lose money. You just park 50 grand so that it's there and won't lose. And you may as well, hey, in today's interest rate environment, you're earning 5%. Yeah. If I take $50,000 and just put it in a 5% earnings vehicle, guess what? I just made $2,500 tax-free, and guess who gets it? The guy with two thumbs who loves money. This guy right here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's this guy too. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the advantage of the Roth IRA conversion is if you project that your income tax bracket today is lower than it will be in retirement, you may as well pay the IRS at a lower tax rate. One of the things that we found, and certainly we're not saying it's to everybody, because you need to take a look at your own situation, is that um, with the new, sort of new, it goes back to the 80s, but the taxation of Social Security in retirement is predicated on your income. And this is where the IRAs have a tendency to cause people to be in a higher income tax bracket in retirement. Another reason people may be in a higher income tax bracket in retirement is IRMA. IRMA. Okay. Yeah. What IRMA is, is an increase in your Medicare premium based on your income. And if people are living on their IRAs or uh, having to take required minimum distributions out, that could push them over the top. And once again, you know, I don't care what you call it. When there's an exchange of money between you and the government, it's based on your income. You can call it IRMA. I don't care what you call it. I call it that three-letter word tax <laughs> because it's an exchange of money between you and the government. I think that's fair. Okay. So it's remarkable how many people actually, and it is so counterintuitive, 
but it's remarkable how many people are actually in a higher income tax bracket in retirement than they are today. Not to mention that in, in the year 2026, tax rates are projected to go up, and then people with these giant IRAs run the risk. And, and if one person dies, Happened to the single tax bracket. Right, they're in the single tax bracket. Their income basically didn't go down except for the smaller Social Security. And now all of a sudden they're in the single tax brackets. They're paying a higher tax rate. Mm -hmm. Not to mention they have pensions and other uh, stuff that exactly. IRAs, retirement accounts, exactly. pensions. There's a bunch of stuff. Exactly. So what it really boils down to is this is a real true tax planning thing mm -hmm. that people should be doing. And Roth IRA conversions are something that we typically do at the beginning of the year. But we also look at at the end of the year because of the fact that, let's say in the beginning of the year, we identify 100,000 as the right number. But it, because it's irreversible, we may look at it and say, how much variability might we have, whether it be bonuses or mm -hmm. other income or business income? We might do some in the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, we'll tap in the pot by saying, all right, then we recalculate at the end of the year, November, December, when we have a much clearer picture what their income is, and then we do the rest. Yep. All right. Last but not least, we're going to talk about businesses. Okay. Business deductions. You know, if you're a business, you get to take deductions. Okay. And at the end of the year, you may look at it and say, hey, holy cow, my income's really high. I've got to purchase this computer or yeah. something like that in January anyway. Hey, you know what? Do Maybe I'm going to buy it in December. Yep. Okay. Sometimes you may be in a remarkably low income tax year and you may say, hey, Next year, my income is going to be high, or this year, for whatever reason, you're going to talk to your accountant, but this year, I may have bought a monster thing that I'm writing off, okay? And if I'm writing it off, it's driving me into an extremely low income tax bracket. Why would I take this deduction? I need the computer, but I don't really need yeah, it just, until January. Just wait a couple months. Exactly, if I can. Yeah, if, yeah, if there's obviously. an expense that I can wait, until the following year, you do that. So here again, it's year-end tax planning. Year-end tax planning comes into taking a look at what this year's tax is going to be, what things can you do to either improve your tax efficiency, mitigate the tax, mitigate the tax penalty, or just do anything you can, but it's a very important thing to do, yeah. and Q4 is tax planning season. Yep, absolutely. So even though I talked like 90% of the time, <laughs> I appreciate your input. Yep. Uh, I hope everybody learned something in this episode. Um, you know, it's part two of the year-end tax planning. I encourage you, if you didn't see part one, take a look at part one as well. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. Hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and we'll see you next time on Financial Planning Explained. Thank you very much.